Welcome, everybody, to week six of The Blitz. Alongside me today, Neil Waldeck and Kelly Gamble, ready to go in Studio B. And yes, folks, we are once again missing Mr. Aaron Host. I don't even think he's going to drop by this week. How did he do? This past week. Well, guys, you know, we, we did pretty good this week, but Aaron Aaron lost some ground at 7-4 and four well, in those you picks. Well, um, your answer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> did he make picks this week? Or or is he gave up? Is he is he throwing down? Because he's still ahead of Kelly. Yes, he is, by one game. One one yeah, game. He's, he said he's going to make a difference this week against Kelly, but um, I'm just speaking for him. <laughs> But uh, he did get us his pick, so uh, we'll right. be able to continue right. the show with even though his presence is not I with thought, us. I thought maybe he was going to forfeit a week and just go 0-11. No, because he said that he could probably take Kelly down this week. Oh, okay. Yeah, hey, in spe- picks. Speaking of the picks last week, very nice, guys. Nine and two for both of you. Augie Doggy and Augie Daddy over there copying <laughs> the picks. Kelly, you know if you're ever going to catch Neil, you can't keep looking at his picks. I didn't look at him at all. It just happened to be that way. I was actually completed mine last week before him, so I think he cheated off me last week. Another another 10-in-1 week over here in Studio A. That's what's surprising, Chris. You've had two 10-in-1 weeks, and you're still not in first place. <laughs> I know. It. <laughs> it's bad, isn't it? And Neil Waldeck says it the best. Parody, man. Parody yes. in college football. We're seeing a lot of it in the Big 12. Yes, and in our picks this week, I think there's going to be some games that that you're back and forth on. Again, nobody's really taking control of this middle section of the Big Twelve. It's up in the air. Can West Virginia make a big move this week? If everybody listening has not heard, there's kind of a big game in Morgantown on Saturday. The 11th ranked. Texas Longhorns roll into town for a 3.30 kickoff. Neil Waldeck, that means we're on the air when? Noon. Noon. Okay. You're, you're pausing. You seemed a little unsure of that. We are on at well, noon. Well, no, I was occupied by something else, but uh, uh, you were at noon with a 3.30 kickoff. All right. All the pregame coverage that you need with all the guys and gals from Learfield IMG, Tony Caridi with the game call at 3.30. Post-game coverage after the game gives you about 10 hours worth of coverage here on Preston County's Mountaineer Station. And, of course, we want to welcome everybody that's joining us on the podcast as well, the Sports Roundtable podcast where we simulcast this broadcast each and every week. So if you miss anything of the show, you will want to check out that podcast all week. Okay, And there's a lot to talk about this week. Guys, we're going to break down the West Virginia and Texas game. couple things that I want to hear opinions on. If you have not heard, the coaching carousel has begun. Chris Ash is out at Rutgers. We will talk a little bit about that. And another pressing issue in college football, California has passed a bill that will allow college players to make money off of their name and their likeness. We'll talk more about that in the show. And, of course, our picks for the biggest biggest games in college football this week. Stay tuned, everybody. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're talking West Virginia, Texas, 330 Milan Pushkar Stadium this Saturday. 
Welcome back, everybody. And it is about time for my fight song of the week. A team from last week that really impressed me. Guys, there wasn't any big upsets or anything I would call real dramatic. Of course, North Carolina almost pulled off the huge one last week. We'll talk a little bit more about that later on. But guys, I want to ask you a question for my fight song of the week. What is the difference between a 9-2 and two record and a 10-1 and one record in our picks besides just one game? Stumped you, didn't I? Uh, I'm going to say uh, the longevity of it in the long run because one game can make up a difference. If you get one game every week yeah. in the long run, at the end, it's going to make a difference. That's a great, great Analogy. Analogy. Yeah. But last week, what was the difference, guys? What was the difference? The difference was the Baylor Bears. I give you credit again and kudos the same as last year. You you keep taking them, and it seems like when you did last year and so far, of course, early this year, you're doing a good job, Chris. I mean, i got to give you credit for that. Tough one coming up for Baylor this week as they will go on the road to Manhattan, Kansas, to take on the Kansas State Wildcats. We'll see if I pick them again. Chris Kyleman at Kansas State, guys, has got it going on right now. Kudos to Kansas State. Replacing a legend in Bill Snyder with a guy that a lot of the fan base was not happy with when they made that hire from North Dakota State. Comes in and makes a big difference. Good. He dominated the FCS. I mean, North Dakota State's in there every year now, along with uh, you know, James Madison. And right now, I believe North Dakota State right now is number one uh, ahead of James Madison, the team that we played. One more note from the Baylor Bears signing Coach Rule to a extended big money contract well-deserved after what Baylor is calling a catastrophic turnaround that he had to be able to make, signing him to an eight-year deal extension. When Matt Roll was hired for that job from Temple, I, I think he was about the only coach out there that could have done what he has done at Baylor. Uh, I mean, it was almost a death penalty that SMU faced years ago, and uh, with all the problems they had at Baylor, I mean, he's got. I got to say that he has brought out of the Big 12, he's the most surprising to me. And we looked at Campbell. You know, we, we, we're we mm-hmm. still big on Iowa State. But when you look at the whole scheme of things, Rule has done the best job by far it's, in the Big 12. It's unbelievable. You lost a whole year of recruiting where people just left, all your recruits left, and somehow, some way, has this Baylor team playing pretty decent football. Last year, they made a bowl. This year looks like they're going to surpass that six-win mark. But I, th- I think we can compete with both those teams after I, what I saw. I do. Yeah, I do. You know, and we talked a lot about it last week. We thought more of Iowa State. You get them at home next week after they have another tough game this week against TCU. Right. We'll we'll see what happens there. And Baylor, I I think we will be able to compete. I think that mid-level of the Big 12 guys is so congested. I, I understand that some teams are going to pull away a little bit, but right now that... Numbers four through seven well, is real clumped together. number three has definitely become Oklahoma State. Yeah. Number it, three. It, it's now, surprising. I wouldn't have said that earlier in the year, but Oklahoma State has proven again uh, to just keep on plugging in. Real shot at beating Texas last week. Oklahoma State had a real shot 
to beat Texas last week and just couldn't get it done. Well, who do you have? After, I mean, two weeks ago. Who do you have after Oklahoma State if they're near number three now? I think I, Baylor. I have Kansas State at number four, and then followed by TCU. Oh, so you're so you're leaning towards TCU. You, so you were really impressed by that big blowout win against Kansas. I just think they have a very solid defense that may give some teams fits, especially when you go into TCU. They couldn't slow down SMU. It didn't, but Chris, SMU's a very they were a very they, talented they are. team. They are SMU, SMU is a good football team yeah. this year. Probably the best team SMU has had since the death penalty all those years ago. However, they should not be at the point at beating a top-tier Big 12 team yet. And that's why I'm not sold on TC. I'm still leaving Iowa State at number four as of right now. That's Iowa State still number four for I me. I got Baylor. I'm moving and Baylor. Baylor uh, and again, because Baylor beat Iowa State, I think in the long run, we'll see. Mm-hmm. The season has to play itself out. But as of now, I would still put Iowa State four, Baylor five. Guys, big one in Morgantown this upcoming Saturday. 3.30 kickoff for West Virginia and Texas. Guys, let's think back. Let's remember back to last year. What a show between West Virginia and Texas. And the reason I bring that game up, guys, and, and I know this is not the same West Virginia team that will come in here on on Saturday. Not nearly as talented as what we had last year. But don't you believe that Texas has held on to that game in their head? Don't you believe that all the stuff going around social media, horns down, Texas hate week, I've seen that a lot. They're seeing this, guys. It's all over social media. They are seeing this stuff. Don't you believe that Texas comes in here with a huge chip on their shoulder? I would say they do, yes. Uh, because, one, we went in there and defeated them last year and maybe kind of ruined their season in a way because they was probably counting on that as a win over us uh, when we went in there last year. And then all of a sudden we go in, we beat them, we've got the horns down thing going on. And, yeah, I think that uh, they have not forgot. I think they're going to come in here ready to play, and West Virginia is going to have to be ready to go. And if not, this Texas team could come in here and clobber us. Yeah, I agree. I think that the coaching staff is going to remind them, and there's a lot of players still from that team, especially uh, Mm -hmm. Ellinger, and uh, he's not going to forget that. He's a competitor. Uh, He reminds me of the kid that was at Penn State last year, just the tough McSorley. Yes, uh, and so he's he's a tough-minded kid. I, I think he's one of the best uh, solid quarterbacks in 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 the nation. Uh, my question is is overall passing ability with Sam Ellinger. I, I do. I, I think he is a heck of a competitor, heck of a, a guy that can extend plays, get out of there. And I don't know if our defense will challenge him enough to have to put it all on his arm. I do believe our defense, I I hate to say it's one of the better ones they've faced because they've already played LSU, and we've seen what they did to that defense. Uh, But outside of them, I I think our defense might be one of the better ones that he's seen so far. You look at their schedule, they played Louisiana Tech, Rice, and Oklahoma State. And I think our defense is up there with Oklahoma State. It's just... Oklahoma State can score a lot more points. And, and you know, as we yeah. go into keys of the game, how does our does our defense keep us in it? Can our offense score enough points? 
I think the defense could keep us in it, but I don't think the offense can score enough points overall. I don't think that we're going to be a team that's going to outscore people, but I do think that our defense is tremendously, tremendously better than last year. So we have that on our side. So it would take turnovers and special teams to pull off this upset. But then I'm afraid you're going to leave your defense out there too long, and then that's where the problem's going to lie because your offense can't um, connect against uh, this Texas Longhorn defense, and so it's going to force you to keep your defense out there longer, and then that's where I think this this game could just really easily get out of hand. We have to sustain drives. Even Mm -hmm. if we don't put points on the board, I think possession – Time of possession, to me, is going to be key if we're going to have a close game. You you almost got to do what you did against Kansas. Yep. You have to Control own possession. time of possession. You know, they had 15. Because we didn't score all those possessions against Kansas. No. But we, you, had, but we kept the ball and kept them off the field. Right. You converted on third downs. You, you kept the ball. Um, pace of play. And that's something I have been really impressed about under Neil Brown. Yes, he can go quick. But he can slow that thing down as slow as he wants to get, and he's proved that he could do that. So that is a key to me. Can West Virginia, like Kelly said, sustain drives? Now, Texas offensively, guys, putting up big numbers. 45 against Louisiana Tech. They put up 38 in a loss against that SEC defense in LSU, put 48 up against Rice 36 two weeks ago against Oklahoma State. So we know these guys can score points. Big question coming in this week for Texas, guys. They're a little beat up on the defensive side of the ball. Isn't that right, Neil Waldeck? Yeah, and one of them is your quarterback for Texas, Sam Ellinger. I don't oh, really? Know I, I did not that. see that. Yeah, he uh, is actually uh, – now he's uh, projected to to be on the field against West Virginia on Saturday, but he does have some injured ribs. Really? So just to let you know that. So uh, I, I don't know if they may run him as much knowing now that he has some injured ribs mm. – might in keep this, him in this game, so that could be a, a breakup for the the Mountaineers. And then, of course, you have uh, nine guys, uh, Chris, that is going to be out for this game. Mm. Nine injured players for Texas uh, that will not be in the game uh, this coming Saturday. And then you have what um, five guys that are questionable, and then you have one guy that is doubtful. Okay, and mo- a lot of those is in the defensive backfield. Yes. A lot in the defensive backfield. I can remember watching the Oklahoma State game a couple weeks. They were rolling out true freshmen off the benches just to keep playing that game. The thing with Texas here, guys, is, okay, yeah, you can say they got nine people out. They got six people questionable. They have five-star recruits five. backing them up. You just roll out the next five-star recruit from Texas high school football and say it's your turn. You know, right. <laughs> so how much of advantage that plays, other than maybe some experience and depth? I don't know if that is a huge advantage for West Virginia. Now Ellinger, that is with hurt ribs, definitely would might keep him in the pocket a little bit longer. And we know, guys, that is one thing West Virginia defense has struggled with this year. That's kind of been their weakness is the mobile quarterback that can extend plays, run on you. We've made some pretty um, pocket-like passers look pretty darn quick this year. So that could play a big part 
in this game. The the other one person, uh, Chris, I'm worried about is the running back, in, which is uh, Ingram. He is very good on the ground. He's a very good running back. He sees the hole very well. Once he sees it, man, he's got some speed. Burst through there. He had a great game against Oklahoma State. I think he had over 200 yards in that game, if I'm not mistaken, against Oklahoma State. So uh, he's a very talented running back that West Virginia will have to contend with. Yeah, running back, and then you've got uh, Devin <laughs> – I always struggle with his name – Devin Duvernay, uh, the one receiver that, that yes. will test you on the outside of the field. So look out for those guys. Questionable with the defense. You don't know what you're getting into. You know defensive front at, at Texas. They're going to be big. They're going to be fast. They are going to put pressure on Austin Kendall. Uh, be interested to see how Austin Kendall really does against the first actual Big 12 front he is going to face. Because let's face it, the big boys at Missouri made us kind of look like fools, but... We have made some changes. We have done things to correct some of that on the offensive line. Even though Austin Kendall in the last couple games has looked more like a game manager. Neil Brown said to himself this week in his press conference, got to find a way to make more big plays. Where do those big plays come from, guys? I'd like to see him come from our running backs. I mean, I would like to see, I mean, you know, we have some quality receivers, but they're so young. I would like to see us get the ball more to the running backs. I mean, I like the old screenplay and, you know, get everything going one direction and, and screen back to the running back to the left side. And uh, I, I'd like to see our running backs get more involved again in the passing game. And I think that they have that ability, um, you know, to get the ball downfield and go deep. We have speed, but do we have the time in the pocket? Right. I think that we've done a better job of pass blocking than we have run blocking. Um, so we haven't still yet. We're more consistent on the run game, but we got to find somebody though. I think Chris is going to step up and be that go-to guy. Sam James seems to be at times, but then it's kind of been you know the last last week we didn't really see anybody right um, make that really big stick one. out. Yeah. So I'd like to find somebody that was going to be that man every week. Uh, I think all of them have the potential to go deep and be deep threats. But until somebody takes that role and says, this is me, I'm going to do this, and has that confidence, I really don't know unless it's the running backs. Get the running backs the ball in the passing game. I'd like to see Wright get more involved. Yeah. I think it, he could take uh, a little bit of pressure off of James that uh, you get that one-two punch at the wide receiver if you could get uh, Wright more explosive mm -hmm. in that offense. So he's one of the guys that I would like to see. Also, the tight end. We're not seeing too much of the tight end. Haskins, a very uh, special player, uh, if you can get him involved. We have not been able to get him involved. He's the other one that I'd like to see. And I still think the reason you're not seeing the tight end involved is they're having to keep him in to block so yeah. much. And it you've almost got to, you know, you're inexperienced on that line. Yeah, things look better, but you've got to get that extra guy, that extra body in there, and I think that's why you have not been able to attack with the tight end position like we were able to do last year. Guys, another thing to keep in mind, a couple, it's very odd you go into a big game with both teams coming off bye weeks. That's something very interesting to keep an eye on. Does West Virginia, or Texas for that matter, come out a little out of the gate slow, a little sluggish? West Virginia will have the crowd to help them get in the game, 
Texas, on the other hand, do you, do you think maybe West Virginia might be able to have success early just because you have that kind of bye week sluggishness that you're trying to work through? I think both teams will come out a little slow okay. just because of the two-week uh, layoff. You're now trying to get back that rhythm that you kind of had, and then now it's been gone for a couple weeks. So I think both teams will come out a little slow, and then I think that uh, whichever team, it could come down to a special teams uh, play that could trigger something. So, uh, But I, I look for both teams to come out slow offensively. I'd like to see us try to attack where they have two starters in the secondary. Two starters gone. I mean, gone. what better way to start and test a young kid than to go deep right off the bat? Mm-hmm. So I would like to see us do that. I know a lot of times they, they like to get him loose a little bit, though, in these short passes, but I'd like to see us come right out and go deep. Guys, 3.30 kickoff. You know our fans always complain about the noon kickoff. So we got a 3.30 kickoff. You got the 12th-ranked team in the country, 11th-ranked team in the country, coming into your stadium. Um, we've been trash talking all offseason. We've been trash talking Texas ever since the end of that game last year. This should be a rowdy, rowdy environment Saturday afternoon. What do you think? Yeah, because they have more time to party before. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's been that way since I was a kid and same way today. Will they stay? Is this a, If it's close, is this exciting enough to keep people in the stands, especially students? Keep them in the stands? Keep them in the stands. I think that West Virginia stays in the game in the, in the first half. I know we talked about that a little bit last week. Um, but does like it keep said, the, if, does if, it keep the students in the stands? Yeah, and you're, you've got to be, you know, those students, some of them are big football fans. Some of them is just fans to be there. Right. And so it depends. I think that we do have to keep the game close at halftime to, get them, to keep them all in there or to get them all back in after halftime. But, uh, you know, if we – I think this is one of those games, again, that Neil Brown – I guess is known already in you know, Troy. A lot of people don't even know who Troy is. Right. And, uh, you know, Neil Brown played with Clemson. People's got to remember that. So, uh, you know, I'm not giving away my pick right now, but Neil Brown has uh, a mentality of coaching his players up to the competition and, and playing in big games. But these courses, not his his right. athletes. They're so not. you got to remind yourself of that, too. Second year at, at Troy, though. Second year at Troy. Second year. He, he played with Clemson. About six points when they won the national championship. Third year, he beat LSU in Death Valley. Fourth year, beat Nebraska at Troy. Uh, Those are things that they're not supposed to do. Neil Brown has been known to beat the big guy, to beat somebody he's not supposed Supposed to. to. Exactly. It's going to be real interesting how things play out on Saturday. Neil Waldeck, any more keys that you'd like to point out? Anything else on this West Virginia-Texas game coming up this weekend? No, I just uh, think uh, defensively for the Mountaineers going up against this team, uh, they have to contain Sam Ellinger. Uh, I think our secondary will do well with their wide receivers. I really do. I'm really... Uh, praise uh, the secondary of this Mountaineer t- uh, defense. They've got great athletes. They're young, but boy, they are exciting to watch. Give it up to the secondary because there is a lot of young, young guys out there playing. This secondary is looking better than our secondaries in the past. Few I'd years. like to give. I'd like to think that the defensive line has something to do with that. It does Again, because I think that this is the best defensive line that I've seen. I don't know, probably going back to Rich Rod. I mean, yeah. uh, Tom Herman concerned with the Steels brothers. Yeah. Said that in his press conference this week. Very concerned about Dante and Darius Steels. 
Well, we've always talked about the defensive line putting pressure on the quarterbacks want to make our secondary look that much better. Mm-hmm. And it has under this new system by Vic Coning. Guys, one thing we have not touched on yet is Vandarius Cowan. We, we talked a lot about him last week. Neil Brown coming out this week saying he will play. He is listed third on the depth chart. Will play on defense. Will play a little on special teams just to get him into a game. What he wants to remind everybody is he basically is a brand new face. This guy hasn't been on a college football field for over 630 days in, in an actual game. Okay, so he will play. I am very interested to see what he brings. I think you bring him in on some pass rush, pass rush situations and, and let him pin, pin his ears back and go after Ellinger. His mind has to catch up to his physical body. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it could take a while, so people need to understand that got to give him a, a little bit of time, got to give Neil Brown a little bit of time to feel comfortable with him in, in those situations. Guys, let's run down the times here once again. Air t- uh, Kickoff time for West Virginia and Texas this Saturday is at 3.30, nationally televised on ABC. We'll have all the action from pregame to postgame right here on Preston County's Mountaineer Station beginning at 12 noon. Once the game comes on, turn the volume down on the TV, turn your radio up, and make sure you listen to Tony Caridi. We will give you our pick for West Virginia and Texas coming up in the Pick 6 segment a little later on. Also reminding you, we are simulcasting this week on the Sports Roundtable podcast. If you miss any moment of the show, you can check out our podcast each and every week, all week long. We're coming back where we got a few topics that we're going to discuss. Rutgers makes it onto the show tonight and college athletes being paid in California. Stay tuned, everyone. Welcome back, everybody, to The Blitz on Preston County's Mountaineer Station 96.7 K-Country and Simulcast this week and every week on the Sports Roundtable Podcast. If you're familiar with our show, it is segment three, and that means it is now time for the Neil Waldeck Song of the Week. He's an old radio guy that loves to spin the tunes for you. Let's see what he has in store for us this week. Let's see. Get it all queued up here. You got to have a little bit of twang when you think of the Texas Longhorns, don't you, Chris? Anytime you think about Texas, you got to have something to two-step to, right? (laughs) That's right. And what better fit would be Charlie Daniels with a little bit of a song called Texas? You know, until today, Neil, I never knew Charlie Daniels had a song called Texas. Well, you know what? I didn't either. I didn't either. either. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought I knew most of the songs. especially. Back Th- that's why we, we do, uh, ch- we check these things out. We go in depth, try yeah. to figure out what's the best song for Neil's song of the week. And I'm telling you, I'm watching the video here on the computer. It's got pictures of Bevo. Yeah, it's got see. the horns up. Let's put <laughs> the horns down. Guys, do you think the horns down, and I know I asked you guys this last week too, do you think the horns down comes into play this week from the players? No, not the player. I just don't think Neil Brown's going to allow that. I mean, in the heat of the moment, I think Aaron said it last week, if we would score late in the game, I think somebody could possibly get emotional and it could happen if it was going to be a winning moment. But I don't think Neil Brown's going to let his players buy into that. 
Neil Brown's specific words in the press conference this week when asked about it was he is going to be checking pregame with the officials to see what the call is going to be when it comes to the horns down slogan. But he also added that he would rather build up the Mountaineer program than to tear anybody else down. That sounds like a typical Brown statement. Good coach talk, right? Right. (laughs) That's what you like to see. Neil Waldeck's Song of the Week, Charlie Daniels Band, a song we didn't even know existed, but Neil Waldeck did That's down right. in Texas. Hey, and, and think about it. Texas is going to be playing against Austin. Oh, God, Neil. <laughs> Seriously. No pun intended there, hey, huh? Have you ever heard you don't play cards with somebody that is named after the city or the county that you live in, that you're playing in? I should say. So if you're if you're in Preston County playing cards, you don't want to play with somebody named Preston. Right. So does Texas not want to play against somebody from their hometown of Austin? It might come back to Austin. He's not even from there, Neil. It just happened to be his name. <laughs> Guys, let's get into a couple um, debates. Me and Neil Waldeck talked about this first one a little bit in our pregame, pre-show meeting this evening. Guys, the coaching carousel in college football has begun. Rutgers has fired Chris Ash after a one and four start to the season, one and three start. I don't know. They're going to end up one and twelve or one and eleven, whatever. Guys, here is the question on the table, and I posed this out on Twitter. Is there anybody other than Greg Schiano that Rutgers should hire for this job? And, and Neil, you roll your eyes at me, and, and you can you can talk all you want. Neil Rutgers has been playing football for 150 years. They've been there since They've the beginning. The first down. game ever against Princeton, birthplace of college football. Yes, they couldn't even win a national championship when it was just them and Princeton. <laughs> okay, the only person to ever have success at Rutgers, and sustain it for any period of time. Greg Schiano. I, I agree with that. They, Greg Schiano back in 2007, the craziest year of college football ever, had them at number six he, in the country. He did an excellent job. He finished number 12 that year. He did. But okay. I don't see him bringing them back. Why wouldn't you bring him back? I just think that dude, it just it's already been done. It's dead, and I just don't see them bringing him back. I think that they're looking for new blood. I just don't see them. Why would him back. you? My question is: Is he on the market? Because I don't know where yes. Greg Sheehan is at. Well, he was at Ohio State. He was not retained by the new staff. So Greg Sheehan's sitting at home. So he is looking to coach again. He is, and, and you know, or maybe not there now. Like I told you, Chris. Maybe he's wanting a program that's already kind of all put together instead of a rebuilding year. He already rebuilt that once, and then they let it go. Here's the thing. Would you want to come back and fix it again? Rutgers needs Greg Schiano as much as Greg Schiano needs Rutgers because people are scared to hire him. Right. He had his run in the pros that wasn't good. Okay, that that's that's neither here nor there. Nick Saban couldn't make it in the pros. True. Okay, so that doesn't even exist. Tennessee almost hired him, if you remember that right. whole mess, before they mer- uh, hired Pruitt. Yeah. 
Okay, so they almost hired him until they found out. Oh, he was on Joe Pa's staff when oh. what whatever his name was was there doing all those Sandusky. things as kids. Sandusky, you know, and, and then the fan base says, "No, we can't hire Greg Schiano." And then last year, when his name comes up for jobs, oh, he's on that ugly, dirty Urban Meyer staff. We don't want that guy. Right. Okay. Greg Schiano needs Rutgers as much as Rutgers needs Greg Schiano. It is a marriage made in heaven. And I'm telling you right now, if Rutgers does not go out and only pursue Greg Schiano, they're crazy. And here's how the interview should go. I'm going to tell you how the interview should go right now. Okay. They should walk into that room and say, Greg, here's the thing. We need you, you need us. In fact, Greg, if we cannot hire you as our head football coach, we're canceling football because you are the only person in this world that can win here. I don't see him doing that, but yeah, you can only dream about that, but I don't see that happening. And here's the crazy thought, and people are going to call me crazy. You called me crazy when I said it. They bring Greg Schiano back five to six years. If they give him five to six years, they'll compete for a Big Ten title. That could be a possibility. I'm not saying that he's a, he's a bad coach. I just don't see Rutgers. Oh, no, he's a great coach. He can win at Rutgers. He is the only I mean, guy who can win at Rutgers. Base in New Jersey, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. New York. The players are there, but yeah. you got to have a head coach and a coaching staff that's going to be able to recruit and and get their attention. Everything clicked at Rutgers when a running back there was recruited by the name of Ray Rice. Uh, Yep. Yes, he Look, went to yes, Rutgers. Ray Rice, he Baltimore went to Rutgers. Ravens. Yeah, unbelievable, right? Nobody else is coming out of Rutgers. Greg no. Schiano did it. I I just don't see that happening. I really oh don't. Neil, I, I would Kelly, have to disagree. Kelly, what do you think? I'm open to I, yeah, I, I'm open to anything. <laughs> Let me ask I mean, you this: day and age, all things are possible. I mean, it always has been, but uh, I mean, I agree with you that he's the only one that ever won there. But like I said, I I don't know enough right now about Schiano and what he's looking for, or what he wants, but. Hey, if so, I mean, I'm I'm open to whatever. But there was uh, several other ones uh, right, on the list. And I'm going to throw out Kelly a name here. Okay, right. I'm going to throw out you a name. Okay, we already talked Greg Schiano. Do you think Butch Jones is a good fit for Rutgers? No. I don't not think Butch Jones is the – that's not his area, for uh, one thing. Yeah. That's not his recruiting area. And I think the first thing that you want from a head coach is recognition in the area. You, your name has to be well-known and – and Butch Jones, to be honest with you, I don't think that, you know, he, he again, he was a good coordinator. But when it comes to being a head coach, I haven't seen uh, Butch Jones be the head coach and be able to handle an entire program. Has he did a good job as a coordinator? Yes. But I, I don't think he fits at Rutgers. If Butch Jones couldn't get it done at Tennessee with all their tradition, right. all their money that they got, all the support in that football program, he can't win at Rutgers. No. He can't do it. What about Narduzzi, Kelly? At Pitt? Uh, yeah, he's uh, one of the. Yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think that. I mean, if he that was would interested be in leaving fit. the ACC to the Big Ten, then I yes, absolutely. Big, I think and he's, a, he's an old Big Ten guy. Yeah, he, he, that's his background. Another, I just see him going and getting somebody that has not been associated with the school before. They're crazy. A new, then a new coach in there. They're absolutely Giano's crazy. Not the man. Absolutely crazy. Greg Giano is not the man. He is the only man <laughs> that can do that job. He is the only guy that is going to win at Rutgers. I, I just the, I the, I just see him. He's uh, and if that was the case, he would have already been jumping on the bandwagon, and he the, hasn't. He's taking the year off. He's on vacation. <laughs> he, he can talk with it later. That interview should have already been done. 
They said, okay, we got an interim guy off this staff. We're not even going to have to mention your name, Greg. Okay, we'll mention it about halfway through the year. We're going to tell everybody we hired you, you back. You should be the spokesman for football. I should be. PR. I, you I, need to be a PR at Rutgers. <laughs> Public relations. Chris Westfall. Not not at Rutgers. Greg Schiano. I have been a fan of Greg Schiano because hey, if let, that let man can win at so Rutgers, he can win anywhere. Where, how long has it been since Schiano has coached? 2011. A uh, head coach? Yeah. He, he left Rutgers after the 2011 season. 2011, because I couldn't spent remember when. Two years for Tampa Bay, and then was on Urban Meyer staff as a defensive okay. coordinator ever so since. 2011. Yeah. So you're talking eight years. Eight years, and it'll take him five to six years to turn that program around again. And how old is he? Does anybody know? You know, that's a good question. I would say he's in his 50s. Okay. He's still got time. 50s, late 50s, somewhere in that ballpark. Other name being thrown around that I saw is... Uh, Jim Levitt's the old South Florida coach just for old-time, good-time feelings of the old Big East. There you go. Greg Schiano, Jim Levitt's, and Butch Jones mentioned in the, the same topic. Guys, also want to get your opinion on this tonight. Uh, came out this week that the California um, legislature has passed that college football players, college athletes in the state of California will be able to make money off of their rights, their name. If they want to sell an autograph and they can, they can make money off of that issue. They can sell a jersey. Um, not direct pay from the college necessarily, necessarily unless the college uses its likeness to make money. Kelly would love your opinions on this coming from not only a, a fan's perspective, but also ethical reasons as well on the, the, something that will probably trickle down in college athletics. Ethically for me to begin with my first thought, my first thought is no. And I'm going to tell you why we're already seeing players not go to bowl games mm -hmm. uh, because of the fact that they're protecting their bodies for the NFL. And so basically it breaks the whole team continuity of what you've seen the entire year. You're not going to get the same product at the end of the year. Uh, so, if you're enticing a kid by giving them the opportunity, first and foremost, though, the good thing about it is if we ever got to the point where, like, the NBA took kids straight out of high school, it would give kids more opportunity, more of an opportunity to want to go to college and succeed because, first of all, you're not going to get any rights and nobody's going to want your name if you're not successful. So I'm looking at it from that standpoint. Mm -hmm. So I had the opportunity to talk to Neil just a little bit in here before to find out we're going to discuss this. Uh is it going to cause a kid to leave early, though, because once they feel they're good enough and somebody wants the rights to their name, are they going to play one year? Right now they have to play, if I'm not mistaken, if they're redshirted, they can be, then they can play their redshirt year right. and leave after a freshman if they've had a redshirt. Right. So they have they, to have two years in a program. Yes, they have to be um, at so, school for two years. So if, if they're getting money from wherever, uh, XYZ, and someone's offering them money, and um, now for me personally, going back to the ethical part, their tuition is paid for, their dorms are paid for, their food is paid for. How many young people out here today going out here to, to bust their, their hump to get a job and be successful in life gets that taken care of unless they are very highly intelligent mm -hmm. and do very well in the ACT, SAT scores? Uh, so these kids are already coming in. A lot of them, again, uh, not having uh, – there are some very intelligent uh, high scholar athlete, yeah. but then there's also some – that, that don't are, have that, that are there getting strictly everything to play paid football. for and having that opportunity to go to college. So so I, I look at it both ways, but I think if you're going to get paid and someone's paying them, 
they're more likely to leave college earlier thinking that maybe they're better than what they are yeah. before they're ready, just like we see in basketball. So that's my take of it up to this point. Let me ask you this. Okay, and I, and I heard this once from a guy that has a lot of crazy ideas. Okay, but this one actually made sense to me. And he said this. If you take this money that a kid could make off of autographs or selling pictures or selling jerseys or, you know, what if we take all this money, you know, that a university makes off his likeness or her likeness in that matter, and we put all of that in an account. And once they have paid that, played out their four years at that institution and have gotten a college degree, we will give them that money. Uh, now that, I've never heard that before. That I can handle. I can handle that because now you've left that institution. You've put everything into that institution that put into you. That's my whole thing. If mm -hmm. you're going to stay there and, and give that institution all you got, and then they want to do that, I'm more, way more open to that ethically than I am giving them money while they're there. Because while they're there, you start giving them money now, they might not even finish out their season if they're getting money while they're there. And let's think of this ethically. Uh, okay, you've got your star quarterback at this big program that can go out, and he can make a ton of money off of this. He really could, because everybody wants it. How is it fair to the gymnast? How is it fair to the golf player? How is it fair for the track star that aren't involved in these high-profile sports but are doing the same thing as the star quarterback? Another good question. How is that fair to them? I mean, let's look at WVU's rifle team. Exactly. I mean, we, we won a national championship, I mean, if not every year, every other year, and and so uh, they there's recognition, but how many people really recognize? I mean, other than them mm -hmm. and their families, and some people here directly with the university. Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. I think that every uh, program has a certain amount of money stipulated to as far as how much it costs to run that mm -hmm. particular program. So I think that you're basically going to have, there might be some getting more money because of the sport. Uh, so, But I think that each individual program, soccer, football, basketball, baseball, whatever, is going to have to come up with something. To, the institution's going to have to get together with the president and sit down with all your advisors, and you're going to have to work something out. Because, uh, in all honesty, I think these kids are smart enough to know, Chris, that their sport maybe not mm -hmm. yeah. is going to bring enough <laughs> revenue as, a, as the other sport. You know if you're at a high-profile university that it, it's it's football and men's basketball that's paying Absolutely. the bills. Neil Waldeck, I would love to hear your thoughts on this. California State Legislature passing that it will be able uh, for college athletes to make money for their likeness, their names, their image. What do you think about this? Well, I think it's all nonsense. We've, <laughs> we've lived uh, how many years? Uh, you know, this has been, uh, you know, college has been okay without the money situation. Yeah. Now, once you start getting this money, you're going to cause problems. And if that's the case, uh, as I heard uh, Mark uh, Cuban on uh, one of the uh, shows uh, this morning talking about this very same thing, said then then if we're going to pay these athletes then we have the right to fire them right we should be able another to. good point that it, i never thought about once so, you take money it is a job but but see the whole thing is is they're there to get an education yep. and now we're going to let this start to become as as the professionals mm -hmm. and is that where we really want to go in that route to, to turn college sports into a professional sport because that's where you're going to go with it 
And also, it brings up this thing, and it's not just from in-school athletics, okay, because we know the football program bigger than the track program. You know, we know that, okay? Another issue that I see in this is, okay, if this thing goes live and it spreads all the way to every state in the country, okay, a person attending Alabama, uh, a person in a high-profile school can make more money than what somebody at Bowling Green is going to make. And then they're going to be lawsuits. Exactly. This is just going to make things ugly. It is. It, it's going to ruin college athletics. It will. And somebody's got to get a control on it. That That's... You know, there's good, there's going to have to be if it's going to go national, there are going to have to be a lot of people in a room saying doing this, saying okay, somebody's going to make more money here, somebody's going to make less money here, somebody's going to get upset, somebody's going to sue. And I, and I was glad to see that the Pac-12 and the NCAA is against this, and they're mm-hmm. going to try to fight it. Uh, but you know, when you got a state that made it a law. It's kind of hard to, you know, so we'll see how this plays out. It'll be interesting. Every institution, though, has their own lawyer, I'm sure, oh, as yeah. far as that goes. So <laughs> they're going to be ready, I'm sure, to, to come against it. Will players also look at it negatively? Look nope. at it what? Negatively. No. In a negative light. Any do you, kid do you, want to want to make money. Yeah. That's true. I mean, no. In, in the world <laughs> we live in today, maybe years ago they would have thought about it different because their parents taught them different. Yeah. But this day and age, absolutely not. They're going to say... Well, we want this. Yeah. And then they're going to start, you know what they'll start doing then? They're going to start boycotting their own coaches and, and, yeah. their, and their institutions. Well, and that not happened. And then they're going to say, that's what it'll come to, Chris. They're going to say, we're not playing this Saturday because this is what we want. Well, that happened at Northwestern. And I forget what it was a few years back, but there was something like that, that they were going to boycott because of something like this. I forget what it was about, but anyway. Well, so, that, yeah, it's, it could turn into a mess. And, and it is. where's it, the loyal go, uh, loyalty going to yeah. be? I mean, we already had an issue last year uh, right here with Will Greer yeah. playing in the bowl game. Yeah. You know, some was saying, where's his loyalty? Why is it? But he was looking at what? Money. Yeah. So he's looking well, at the NFL. So this could all be kind of going and, down that same road. And I, and I hate to say it, but I, I think there was a lot of coaching involvement there pushing oh, I'm him. I'm sure out, there was. But that's neither yeah. here nor there. It's another Dana Holgerson talk that we're not going to have tonight. (laughs) All right, guys, we're going to come back. We got our pick six segment of the show coming up where we pick six of the top games in college football. This is the Blitz on 96.7 K-Country. We're back right here on the Blitz. Week six of the show, West Virginia and Texas. This Saturday, 3.30 p.m., Milan Pushkar Stadium. One heck of a parking lot party going to be going on there this Saturday. Morning, afternoon, nighttime. Could go into Sunday if the right results come. Will the Mountaineers beat Texas? We will see. We'll give you our thoughts Coming up here as we get started in our pick six segment of the show. Let's update the standings here real quick. I won last week with that 10 and one mark, my second 10 and one mark. But as Kelly pointed out, I am still in second place somehow. 
<laughs> two good weeks to rest, bad ones. Nine and two for Neil and Kelly. Aaron went seven and four. Neil still in first place. He has a one-game lead on me, a three-game lead on Aaron, and a four-game lead on Kelly. Guys, let's start the pick six segment as we've been doing a lot this season on Friday night. Number 18, Central Florida, who had their streak snapped two weeks ago against Pitt. Into conference play now as a travel to Cincinnati to take on Luke Fickle and the Bobcats. 8 p.m. ESPN Friday night. Let's go to our leader, Neil Waldeck. I like Central Florida in this matchup. Uh, I think the uh, Bearcats, they're they are not a bad team, but I think Central Florida may just have a little bit more uh, offensively, and I look for Central Florida to come away with a win. I do as well. I think they're going to bounce back. I think it was a little fluke. I mean, I think Pitt is better than last year, but I think Central Florida bounces back at Cincinnati. Luke Fickle, guys, 10-win season last year at Cincinnati. His only loss so far this year has came to a team that's looking pretty darn good in Ohio State. Cincinnati gets them at home, taking Cincinnati and Luke Fickle to take down Central Florida. Could they be the team that's going to that New Year's Six Bowl at the end of the year? Aaron also takes Central Florida in this matchup. Okay, so I got an opportunity right here. Guys, let's move down and let's talk about some Big 12 football. Number 21, Oklahoma State. Four and one on the season. They're going to Lubbock. Texas Tech licking their wounds after taking one on the chin last week from Jalen Hurts and the Oklahoma Sooners. They're two and two. Kelly Gamble, start with you on this one. Texas Tech is one of the few teams that, to me, that in the Big 12 has not improved defensively and probably gotten worse. Uh, Offensively, I know they have the ability, but defensively, not even close. Oklahoma State rolls. I'm glad you mentioned that because here's the thing. Cliff Kingsbury never focused on that defense. It was quite obvious. It is going to take Matt Wells a few years to get a defense anywhere near competitive. I'll go Oklahoma State as well. Neil Waldeck. Uh, Yes, I like Oklahoma State Cowboys. I think they're they're a very explosive team. Also, Aaron uh, agrees uh, with that. He's going with Oklahoma State as well. TCU put one on Kansas last week while Iowa State dropped a close one to Baylor, Iowa State guys at home playing real good defense, and we mentioned it earlier. TCU already has a loss to SMU this season. Everybody's talking about that running game being really good. Iowa State's defense is really good. I think Iowa State bounces back at home. Neil Waldeck. Uh, I disagree on this one. I think uh, TCU, they do have a solid defense. I think Iowa State, uh, coming off that loss to Baylor, is still struggling, trying to find an identity, and I like TCU in the matchup. Um, as far as I go, my first thought, my first instinct, my gut said TCU, but I just think somehow Campbell turns it around. They're at home. I'm looking for Iowa State to take down TCU. And Aaron goes with? And Aaron uh, also uh, will take Iowa State in that mm, matchup. Here's our opportunity to catch Neil. Could happen this week. More Big 12 football. Baylor's looking impressive. Knocking off Iowa State last week. Uh, Guys, uh, but Kansas State looking real good. Real good. Traveling into Manhattan. Baylor, Kansas State. 3.30 on ESPN. Kelly Gamble. 
these two Big 12 games that we just picked right here was, was my two toughest yeah. ones to pick. Um, I watched Kansas State, as I told you, Chris, against Mississippi State uh, at Mississippi State. And I think Kansas State's defense and this new coaching staff is doing a great job, and I think they went at home against Baylor. I'm with you. I think Kansas State under Coach Kyleman is looking real good, a lot better than I thought they would look in year one of this thing. I'm going to take Kansas State to knock off Baylor. Neil Waldeck. Uh, and I'm with you. I, I think Kansas State has a very good defense. I think they uh, defeat Baylor. Aaron, on the other hand, he likes the Baylor Bears okay. in this matchup. Guys, let's go to the ACC conference where nothing seems to make sense. Pittsburgh, three and two on the year. They come off a big win. They break that streak of Central Florida, almost losing to Delaware last week. Came down to the last seconds of that thing. They will travel to Duke. Duke looking good, just thumping up on Virginia Tech last week. I'm going to go Duke at home in this game. Neil. I like uh, Duke as well. I think uh, Duke uh, coming off that big win over Virginia Tech, they got a lot of momentum, and Pitt uh, is a very good team, though. I think it'll be close. And also uh, Aaron likes uh, Duke in this matchup as well. And Kelly Gamble. I think it shows the FCS is better than what we think. The Delaware again. I mean, Pitt coming off a great emotional win, almost had a letdown. Uh, But I think that Duke impressed us all against Virginia Tech. I know Virginia Tech's down, but I, I like Duke as well. So clean sweep there. All right, guys, 3.30 Saturday afternoon, nationally televised on ABC. You can hear all the coverage pregame to postgame right here on your Mountaineer station, 96.7 K-Country. The number 11 ranked Texas Longhorns come into town with revenge on their mind and hoping to protect that 3-1 and record. Their only loss coming to a very good LSU team. West Virginia... Are they still looking for too many answers? Neil Waldeck, I'm going to you first. Texas, West Virginia. I think uh, this should be a, um, I'm hoping it'll be a competitive game. That's the way I want to put it. But uh, I think this Texas team, Sam Ellinger, he's got a uh, 181 uh, pass rating. He's going to come in. He's got a lot of weapons. They've got veteran players, a little bit more than what we have. I'm taking Texas in this game, and I'm going to say 41-27 to 27 over WVU. What did Aaron Host say? And uh, he also picked a Texas in this match. Really? A match. Okay. Kelly Gamble moving on. Can the Mountaineers pull this one out? I'd love to see it, but I agree we don't have the, the talent that Texas has. I mean, we have the home crowd. We have Stripe the Stadium. Uh, we have students getting rowdy, but Texas 31-17. 31-17. Guys, homecoming weekend. A lot of people going to be in town. A lot of people are pumped up that the 11th-ranked team in the country is coming to town, and it's Texas. If you can't get pumped up for it, you're not a football fan. Uh, okay? West Virginia, guys, um, defensively is what's going to be the big thing here. I think West Virginia's defense keeps them into this thing until the fourth quarter. I just don't think our offense can produce enough to overtake Texas. I'm looking for a real close game. I got Texas winning 28-20 to over the Mountaineers. We're all out of time here on The Blitz. Why don't you switch over to the podcast, the Sports Roundtable podcast, where we will have five exclusive picks for you right there. Until next week, this has been The Blitz. And welcome back, everybody. This is the Sports Roundtable Podcast. I am your host, Chris Westfall, alongside Neil Waldeck, Kelly Gamble, Aaron Host, 
if you've been listening to the rest of the show, is absent this week. He has sent in his te- uh, his picks via email <laughs> this week, coming off that seven and four mark from the week before. Guys, go get started with our exclusive picks here on the Sports Roundtable with the game on Saturday afternoon, right at noon. And if anybody has ever listened to the Blitz before on 96.7 K-Country, they know that Neil Waldeck loves him some Iowa. He has never gone wrong with the Iowa Hawkeyes. They're ranked 14th, traveling to the big house to take on Michigan at number 19. Neil Waldeck, we'll let you go ahead and pick the Hawkeyes. Well, I'm not going with the Hawkeyes oh, in this one. Oh, wow. If it, if it was at home, I would maybe have leaned towards that way. But being at Michigan, uh, Michigan uh, looking for redemption here, I pick uh, the Wolverines also uh, as well as Aaron. Really? Pick, uh, the really? I thought for sure I would get one on you here because I'm going Michigan as well. Michigan okay. in the big house, too much for Iowa. I know they struggled against Wisconsin, but it was on the road. And they did show some signs of life offensively last week against Rutgers. Bring back Greg Schiano, Rutgers. It's your best move. Trust me. I agree. Michigan bounces back. All right, guys. Let's move on now. Number seven, Auburn out of the SEC West, undefeated on the season, travels to the Swamp to take on the 10th-ranked Florida Gators somehow Florida Gators are still undefeated. This is the 330 CBS game. Kelly Gamble. I think that Florida is not has not been real. They haven't looked good to me really no. at all. Even though they're still undefeated, I think that Auburn uh, wins by 10 or more. I, yeah, I think Auburn shellacks them. I really do, even on the road. Neil Waldeck. Well, and uh, Aaron and I both uh, are with you in agreement there that Auburn uh, should win this one. Virginia Tech, one of the most, well, I wouldn't say puzzling teams out of the ACC, but it's pretty darn puzzling. Taking you know where on, that started last year, Chris? What's that? Virginia Tech's downfall. Where did it start? Old Dominion. Huh? Old Dominion. Old Dominion. I, yeah. I think that Old Dominion last year really just turned really that program around when they lost Old Dominion Knocked them year. off the tracks. They got beat by Duke last week. They've struggled against Old Dominion again this year. Uh, they just don't look good. It does not look like the Virginia Tech we're used to seeing. And and the crazy thing to me, guys, is this. This is Bud Foster's last year. That's what surprises me the most. I didn't think their defense would go downhill with losing uh, Beamer. I mean, I thought Bud Foster being there would still keep that defense strong, but they're not. They traveled to another surprising team out of the ACC, one that had big hopes this season, even though they have a brand-new coach, Miami. Guys, the the battle of the struggling ACC teams. Which way you leaning with it, Neil Waldeck? I'm going to lean uh, with the uh, Hurricanes. I think uh, just being at home, they uh, survive. Aaron uh, also agrees with me on that matchup. Kelly, I agree. Me as well. Me as well. I, I, man, and Virginia Tech has like New Hampshire or something coming up in in a week or two. Oof, it could get real ugly in Blacksburg real real quick 25th ranked Michigan State team that Neil Waldeck says he's not very high on even though they're ranked even though with one loss he comes in today and says that Michigan State team they're not very good they're not very good 
traveling to the Horseshoe to take on a team that has impressed, I think, everybody this year. Ohio State, they're 5-0. This is college game day. This is Saturday Night Football on ABC. Kelly Gamble. I think Michigan State always plays Ohio State tough, but they're not tough enough at all to take them at home. Ohio State. Not at home. Ohio State rolls. Neil? And uh, Aaron and I both agree on that as well. All right, let's see if we can get somebody changing their mind here. I don't know. Maybe. Because last week we were thinking California was in pretty good shape, and then Arizona Arizona State rolls in and beats them. You just don't know week from week in this Pac-12 division. They travel to Eugene, Oregon to face the Ducks, the 13th-ranked 3-1 Ducks. Neil Waldeck. I like the Ducks in this matchup. I think they're the better team, and uh, also Aaron is uh, with me on that. He likes Oregon in this matchup. Kelly Gamble. Unless something happens to the quarterback, I'm taking Oregon to win out. Oregon wins. Oregon win out. I think Oregon wins the Pac-12. and Still, can they make it back to the playoff? I, I, like I told you, it would take a lot. Right now, I don't see it. No. <laughs> okay. uh, I don't but see you're it staying happen. with them. You're staying with them, riding them out. Riding I out am. The I, Ducks. Think that, I, mean, I think they're the best team by far in the Pac-12. I don't know if they'll win the Pac-12, but they will win this week. They will beat California. And that is the end of the pick segment. Tune in next week to the Sports Roundtable podcast. See how we fared. See if anybody can dethrone Neil. He's had a grasp on that first place position since the first week of the season. Kelly, what are we going to do here? I for a while. For a while. I don't know. Until the end. Until the very end. Neil's Neil's Weasley, man. you got to watch him. You just never know. You never know about me. I just get some <laughs> picks in there once in a while that fall my way. I don't know why. Yeah, He but. pays attention more than you think he does. That That's what he wants you to think. He, he'll sit in his office with his pick sheet. You know, <laughs> 15 minutes before we're supposed to pick. I, I don't know. I don't know about this one. And he just always rolls out good weeks. He pays attention. He, I think he has some type of an intuition. I think he talks with... Uh, Mr. Corso. Really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think he has a personal relationship with Lee. Really? Yeah. That would yeah. be interesting. I like Kirk Herbstreet myself. I do, too. I'm more of a Herbstreet guy. I am, too. I am. But Corso's but, been there longer, and he's an older man. He's, he has, he's wise among his years. Yeah. I think that we ought to... You know what we really should do with our picks? What's that? We should uh, kind of imitate a little bit. You know, we want to be ourselves, but I think we should get Neil to put the head on each week for the biggest <laughs> game of the week. But, and that but, way you can you don't have to let him speak it. All you got to do is we, we have these heads over here. And, yeah, and but Neil, the thing is that I'm going to have to speak it because this is radio. People can't see him. That's, that is true, but they, they can visualize what we're seeing as we're laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, guys, we'll talk to you next week. This is the Sports Roundtable podcast. Thanks for listening.